Did you know that 40% of your happiness is determined by the choices you make every day? So what kinds of choices can you make? What are the little things you can do to boost your happiness? Coming up next on the Coaching and Positive Psychology Podcast, we're going to talk about just that. What are your happiness triggers? Thank you so much for joining me. You know, I was really intrigued the first time I learned about the concept of the happiness pie. It comes from the work of researcher Dr. Sonia Lubomirsky, who wrote some books on the subject and really specializes in happiness. But she was really looking at what is it that comprises our happiness? Like, is it choices? Is it just how you're born? Is it your circumstances? And what she and fellow researchers figured out is that it really is about 50% genetic. So a great deal of your happiness is just your personal disposition. It's how you came out of the womb. And you know, some come out of the womb happier than others. You can look at any baby and notice uh, their disposition. But just about 10% of it is circumstances. And so often we think that our happiness is going to be determined by our circumstances, by, you know, whether or not we get the kind of job we want or the relationship that we want to have, or if we have more money. But circumstances make up just about 10%. In fact, what the research has shown is that when we have something happen that's really life-altering, something devastating even, like an accident that causes a disability or the death of someone close to us, we do see dips in happiness for sure. But those dips are temporary. And within a few years, happiness returns to very close to the level where it was prior to whatever it is that happened that caused our happiness to decline. So there is a there is an impact when it comes to circumstances, even really dramatic circumstances. But because of those uh, genetics, because of that genetic predisposition, oftentimes within a period of time, our happiness begins to return to what's called our happiness set point. But there is one thing that we really can do that will transform our ability to increase our happiness. And in fact, If we do the opposite, if we're not making the right kinds of choices, we can actually cause our happiness to decline. And so when I realized this, and as a writer, I'm always thinking about how can I inspire people in a very practical way to live more fulfilling lives? I began wondering, are there triggers? Are there happiness triggers that are research-based that if you knew what they were, you could be very intentional about using them? And so I wrote a book several years ago called Happy Women Live Better, 13 Ways to Trigger Your Happiness Every Day. And in conjunction with that, I also created an assessment, the Happiness Trigger Assessment. Thousands and thousands of people have taken the assessment. The results have been so interesting for me to watch. But a couple of years ago, when we changed our website, we took the assessment down and we started hearing 
for many of you. Where's the assessment? I use the assessment with my coaching clients, with my counseling clients. I send my friends to it. Where is it? (laughs) And so just in the last couple of weeks, we got the assessment back up online at ValerieBurton.com and also at HappyWomanTest.com. So either one, you can find the assessment. You can go out and take it. You can figure out what your top happiness triggers are. These are the things that you are naturally using uh, that are boosting your happiness. But in this episode, I'm going to just share, I'm not going to share 13 of them, but I'm going to share five of my favorite happiness triggers because it is so important for us to be intentional about making the kinds of choices that increase our positive emotion. Positive emotion is a success strategy. It actually is a resilience strategy. The research also shows us that if we have more positive emotion, it actually broadens our capacity. It it helps us to expand our ability to deal with adversity and with stress. So when we think about the stressful times that we are living in, when you think about what's going on in your own life that might not be so happy, being intentional about making choices, about triggering happiness in small ways can be really powerful in helping you not only to be more resilient, but also to broaden your scope of thinking so that as you're making decisions, um, as you're setting goals, you are doing it from a positive frame of mind, which is really, really powerful. So I'm just going to share a few of them with you here. And my favorite one, I actually made it happiness trigger number one in the book, (laughs) is anticipation anticipation. Now, here's the reason anticipation for me turned out to be a favorite. It's because I wasn't using it very much. And when I decided to be intentional about triggering my happiness with anticipation, it made a really huge difference. So I wrote this book at a time in my life that was actually before my husband and I began dating. Um, I was in a transition in my life, having gone through a divorce um, and I was single, and I didn't plan in advance a lot. So sometimes I would find myself like, oh, what am I doing this weekend? Or, you know, oh, I wish I could, and you fill in the blank of whatever the vacations were, etc. I know it sounds kind of pitiful, but I found myself oftentimes feeling um, kind of bored, kind of like life wasn't all that exciting. And when I read the research about anticipation, it really kind of convicted me. Like, you know, nobody else is going to plan your life for you. (laughs) You have to plan it. If you're bored, then find something to do that's going to interest you. Um, If you don't have something to look forward to, create something. And that's exactly what I started doing it, doing. I started doing it in small ways. Like it might be a Tuesday or Wednesday and I'd call up friends. Hey, do you want to do and whatever it was we would do that weekend? Do you want to go play golf? Do you want to go shopping this weekend? Do you want to um, perhaps plan a little uh, getaway, a little trip? And as I did that, I had things to look forward to. Life became a whole lot more exciting. So anticipation is very simple. It is having something to look forward to. And you want to have something every single day. It could be as simple as remembering that this evening 
your favorite show is coming on and you're going to watch it. Um, and maybe you're going to watch it with a friend, like over the phone. <laughs> Y'all are going to talk about what's happening as it's happening. Um, perhaps it is that you are having a dinner and you actually enjoy cooking. And you're going to be very intentional about, I'm going to mention this other uh, happiness trigger that I'll talk about in a moment, about savoring. Savoring the moment as you're cooking. You're going to slow down a little bit. You're going to really enjoy what's happening right there in the moment. So anticipation is creating something to look forward to. When you're having that afternoon lull, (laughs) when you've just had lunch and you're feeling a little bit uh, tired and you remember what you have to look forward to, it gives you that boost of energy. But for the big things, there's an even bigger boost. So you can actually get as much uh, positive emotion out of planning your vacation as you get out of the vacation itself. Planning it, having meetings about it. What are we going to do? What is it going to feel like? Are there other extra things we're going to add in there that would make the experience even more interesting? Like thinking it through and anticipating boosts your positive emotion, actually expands your positive emotion when you plan very intentionally because you're looking forward to it. So for example, when you plan your vacation a year out, that whole year, you're looking forward to that vacation. So anticipation is a happiness trigger. The second one, and this is probably, it might might even be the first one you thought of when I said happiness triggers, is gratitude. Gratitude almost instantly shifts how you feel. Giving thanks to people who do things for you, even the small things, is really, really powerful. Gives you that little boost of positive emotion. But there are some ways that we can actually uh, deepen our, our gratitude and deepen the amount of happiness we feel when we express our gratitude. So number one, it's not just noticing what you're grateful for, but when you take time to actually write it down, and I suggest actually using a pen, writing it down, that allows you to reflect on what it is that you're grateful for. So when you write it down, when you ask yourself, what am I grateful for? Be sure to say, and why Am I grateful for that? Why is that so meaningful to me? Reflecting on the reason for your gratitude actually multiplies the feelings of happiness. So when you say, I'm so grateful for my family, that's pretty, that's pretty general. That's nice. But when you say, I'm really grateful to my spouse because they are so supportive of my dreams And they actually get me to dream even bigger. Like when I talk about what I want, my spouse goes on and on and starts asking me questions about what would make that more exciting and really kind of gets me pumped up. (laughs) And so when you reflect on that, you realize, hey, that's something I need. That's something that makes my dreams even more meaningful to me. So Reflecting on why you are grateful is a step that oftentimes we miss. And sometimes when we express gratitude, again, it can be really generic, which is nice because you're still expressing the gratitude. But why not go a little deeper? Why not notice why it is that you're grateful? All right, here's another one. And I think this one is so relevant in our current high tech world, which is only getting more high tech. And it is flow. Flow. So this concept of flow 
comes from the late, great Dr. Mike Cheek Sent Me High, who just recently uh, passed away. He wrote a book that came out way back in 1990. This is prior to the, the topic of positive psychology. So he was really a pioneer in the field. And the idea of flow is when you get to that point where the challenge in front of you is met just perfectly by your skill set and time seems to just pass. You are in the zone, as many people would call it. You are in flow. In the world we live in now, being in flow is actually much harder because we have constant distractions. It's the notification on your phone, on your computer and your email. It is the person who maybe knocks on the door when you're right in the middle of that project and you really were in the zone. Um, It is you watching the news and you can't get away from all of the ticker tapes at the bottom telling you about breaking news. That's not actually breaking news. (laughs) It's just there to get your eyes glued to that screen longer so you don't turn the channel. But when you're reading it, you're not actually simultaneously listening to the newscaster talk about whatever they're talking about because it's impossible for you to actually pay close attention to two things at the same time. So you're really toggling back and forth between those things because multitasking is a myth, right? So we're going back and forth. We're not in flow. Generally speaking, uh, the research shows us that interruptions make us less happy and it takes us about 10 to 15 minutes to get back into flow after we have been interrupted. So what can you do to get in flow more? Well, you can be really intentional about protecting your time. So when there's something important for you to work on, turning off notifications, uh, if it's something on the computer that's really, really important because you can't actually get away from the computer at that moment, but what you could do is get rid of those things that interrupt your mental process, your flow, while you're on the computer. You could put your phone in another room. You could tell the people who are also in your household or in your office, hey, for one hour, I'm going to be focused on this project. So whatever comes up, trust me, I'll come out in an hour (laughs) and we can talk about it. So unless it's a real, real emergency, I just need this time to think. It's really interesting to me that our levels of deep thinking have declined over the last couple of decades that ability to really go deep in whatever it is we're doing has been diminished by the fact that we have so much coming at us. And as we have so much coming at us, our expectation of what we can accomplish in a small period of time has increased. So we tend to overload our minds, our schedules with what is possible. We're trying to get through things very quickly. And that cuts short our ability to go deeper in flow. So my invitation to you really with flow is to be intentional about creating it, about recognizing the importance of it. When we're in flow, we feel good. (laughs) And as I said, that positive emotion is a success strategy. It actually helps us to set better goals and to persevere towards those goals. All right. 
I'm going to share just two more. All right. This next one is easy and it's movement. I intentionally, when I wrote out the happiness triggers, did not call it exercise because some are pretty averse (laughs) to the idea of exercise. Like you want to do it, but it just doesn't feel um, exciting. But movement, getting your body moving, getting your blood flowing has these not just physiological benefits, but mental benefits changes what's going on in the brain. Just 20 minutes of cardio will boost your mood for up to 24 hours. There is even some research that shows that when we get into intense cardio, an hour of it can be as effective for mild depression as some antidepressants. Again, I said mild depression, being very intentional about that. I remember that period in my life where I was going through some really difficult things and I felt myself Um, kind of moving towards a a mild depression, which is something that I've been diagnosed with in the past. And I had just finished grad school and applied positive psychology. I knew these happiness triggers. And I decided I was going to be really intentional about movement. And so about six days a week, there was a, a track around a hospital nearby. I would go out to that track and I would jog. And I got to tell you, I don't like running. I didn't say that during that time, even though I was thinking it, I don't like running because it wasn't going to be helpful to say I don't like running. But I made the decision. I've got to trigger my happiness. I've got to trigger positive emotion. I need more resilience right now. I need to feel better right now. And so I would run. And it started out, I would just run run one lap. The, the track around the hospital was exactly one mile. And sometimes when I first started, I would I would run a little bit, walk a little bit, run a little bit, walk a little bit. I didn't want it to be so overwhelming that I wouldn't come back the next day. So I did it at a pace that felt good for me. And it didn't just feel good for me. It really became a lifeline for me. Um, As I was running, that forward movement gave me pause. Um, It felt like I was moving forward in my life. I would think a lot while I was running. I would imagine my vision, and on the days when I didn't run, I noticed it. On the days when I didn't run, things became a bit harder. My thoughts would veer more towards the negative, but I would keep, I would go back. Even if it was a day when I said I was going to run and I didn't, I'd go, okay, I start over tomorrow, (laughs) and I'm going to get out there. And so it got to the point where on average, I ran about three laps. On some days, I ran as many as six or seven. And if it was a day that didn't feel that great, I would run one or two, uh, but I would still get out there and get moving. So when you make that commitment to get moving, and even if you can only do it for, say, 10 minutes, right there in your living room, right there in your office, jumping jacks, push-ups, just walking in place, just get moving, you will notice a difference in how you feel. And in fact, when it comes to movement, the research shows us that even if you move for 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes in the evening, that 20 minutes still adds up. It doesn't actually have to be consecutive. So movement. And then here's the fifth one. The fifth one, there's 13, as I said, and if you go out uh, to the website, you will see the happiness trigger assessment there and you can take it. Take it and see what your actual happiness triggers are, but use all of them. In fact, even though you're going to see your top three uh, triggers, the things that you naturally do um, and you probably do often, 
I want you to look at all 13 of them because the ones that you look at and you go, gosh, no, I don't, I don't do that. Those are your power triggers. Those are the ones that really have a, a great ability to help you boost your happiness because you're not actually tapping into them very often. So the last one is savoring. I mentioned this a few minutes ago when I was talking about the idea of maybe looking forward to cooking if you're someone that likes cooking. But savoring requires you to slow down and notice in the moment the good things, the opportunity you have right there in front of you to enjoy exactly what it is that you're doing. A great way to savor is when you're eating. So mindful eating, savoring is a form of mindfulness, which is simply paying attention on purpose. So try it today when you're eating, to actually stop, to slow down, to notice what you're eating. Where did it come from? Who prepared it? Who were all the people that had to come together to get those ingredients to you? (laughs) You Actually slow down and you might even incorporate a bit of gratitude for all that it took to get that food on your plate. And then as you take each bite, notice. Notice the flavors. Notice the textures. Just slow down when you're eating and savor. We can savor in our conversations. We can savor a hug. In fact, there is research that a 20-second hug has some real health benefits. (laughs) My son and I do that. I told him about this. And he actually will say, Mommy, let's do a 20-second hug. And I'll say, okay. And we'll squeeze and he'll count. (laughs) And it feels good. So savor. As you are working on that project that was something you've talked about for a long time, and now you've gotten around to it, savor with gratitude the opportunity to do it. The fact that you finally got the discipline to just sit down and do what you said you were going to do. So how will you trigger your happiness today, this week, this year? How could you be more intentional? Because 40% of your happiness is about the choices you make every single day. And the more intentional you are about those choices, the more happiness you intentionally create in your life. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the Coaching and Positive Psychology Podcast. If you enjoyed it, pass it along, tell somebody else about it and help them trigger their own happiness. If you're already a coach, but you aren't certified, check out our certified personal and executive coach program at the CAP Institute and our mentor coaching experience. Just the kind of training and coaching you need to take your coaching to the next level. You can find out about both at capinstitute.com. That's C-A-P-P institute.com. And don't forget, we'd love to hear from you about this podcast. Just leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We read all of them. Thanks so much for joining me today. And I cannot wait to talk to you on the next episode of the Coaching and Positive Psychology Podcast.